about to listen to a sermon from Newtown Erskineville Anglican Church. As a church, we want to see whole communities captivated by Jesus Christ and living out His freedom. Good evening. Uh, The John one is in your handout, but if you'd like to turn to uh, Daniel chapter 12, um, you can follow along. Daniel 12, verses 1 to 4. At that time, Michael, the great prince who protects your people, will arise. There will be a time of distress such as not happened from the beginning of nations until then. But at that time, your people... Everyone whose name is found written in the book will be delivered. Multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake, some to everlasting life, others to shame and everlasting contempt. Those who are wise will shine like the brightness of the heavens, and those who lead might be many to righteousness, like the stars forever and ever. But you, Daniel, roll up, And seal the words of the scroll until the time of the end. Many will go here and there to increase knowledge. Now from John chapter 5, reading from verses 19 to 29. Jesus gave them this answer. Very truly I tell you, the Son can do nothing by himself. He can only uh, do only what he sees his father doing. Because whatever the father does, the son also does. For the father loves the son and shows him all he does. Yes, he will show him even greater works than these, so that you will be amazed. For just as the father raises the dead and gives them life, even so the son gives life to whom he is pleased to give it. Moreover, the Father judges no one, but has entrusted all judgment to the Son, that all may honour the Son just as they honour the Father. Whoever does not honour the Son does not honour the Father who sent him. Very truly I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged, but has crossed over from death to life. Very truly I tell you, a time is coming and has now come when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in him, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself. And he has given him authority to judge because he is the Son of Man. Do not be amazed at this, for a time is coming when all who are in the grave, the graves will hear his voice and come out. Those who have done what is good will rise to live, and those who have done what is evil will rise to be condemned. Thanks, Beck. Well, good evening, everyone. My name's James. I'm one of the student ministers here at NEAC. And I'm currently in my second year at Moore Theological College just down the road. It's been a few months since I've preached here at COG, 
And I just wanted to give a quick update about our food ministry. For those who are unaware, the, uh, one of the great ways that we get to serve the community here through Newtown Erskineville is through a weekly food ministry that happens over at our Erskineville site on Thursday afternoons at 2.30 p.m. And I've been doing this for almost two years now, and I'm really thankful to share that, um, and grateful to share that we're at a particular point where things are really smooth, and it's just a real delight. It was, it's always been a delight, but I will say every week um, there was no assurance that there may not be a fight or, or you know, an argument or something, but the last few weeks have just been amazing, and I'm really thankful for our volunteers, past and present. I'm really thankful for your prayers. Um, I think there's a lot to thank God for. For this food ministry, there are tangible ways we've been seeking to love the community at Erskineville. You know, local shopkeepers know that we're there. Sometimes they've even ducked out and gotten something. Um, it's a great thing. And while there are many challenges that the food ministry faces, uh, questions to be asked and answered, I think there's a lot to give thanks for right now. And so I just wanted to give you that update. Um, it's a great thing. Why don't we pray as we get to John chapter 5? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks for this evening. We pray that you'd give us ears to hear and hearts to receive what it is that you have to say to us. We pray that you would bring understanding and transformation by your Holy Spirit. We pray this in your Son's name. Amen. We are surrounded by words and voices. Advertisements, opinions... A lot of times we hear about these things orally, right, with our ears, uh, radio, podcasts, you know, videos and whatnot, but it doesn't even have to be through our ears. We can hear things visually as well, can't we, uh, through, through printed media, through books, through, through just watching videos and seeing things online. We can hear with our ears, we can hear with our eyes, we can hear as we take messages in. You know, in 2007, one study estimated that the average Australian saw 5,000 advertisements a day, or up to 5,000. And in 2023, so, you know, 16 years later, that, that estimate has increased. It's now somewhere between 6,000 and 10,000 a day. Even more if you're doom scrolling and you just see an ad every three times you scroll up. Advertisements, vying for our attention, making a case for what you should want, what you should buy, and how you should feel about it. But it's not just advertisements, is it? Amidst many sources of opinion and information, videos, podcasts, radio, TV, friends, family, all these different people, there are all these voices that surround us. And amidst all of this, many of us can feel quite paralyzed with these options, wondering, who should I listen to? What am I meant to focus on? Who should I trust? And these aren't silly or harmless questions. And many of us know people who've had their whole perspectives on life changed because they listen to a particular podcast, or follow a news outlet, or follow a figure, or subscribe to an advocacy group. Because listening is powerful, isn't it? Listening is more than just taking in information visually, orally. Listening is about paying attention, uh, focusing on something, inwardly digesting what it is that you have taken in, and choosing to take the speaker or speakers at their word. Take them seriously. 
and act accordingly. And as an aside, this is why I think that the referendum vote a few weeks ago was such an important personal and emotional matter for many. I'm not commenting about the, the result itself, but can you see that the discussion was in a huge part undergirded by the notion that listening, focusing, inwardly digesting, taking seriously people's voices is something worth considering and could actually lead to lasting, meaningful change. Whether or not Australians, people here in the room today, agreed with the way in which the proposal was made or the way in which the proposal would have functioned, can you at least acknowledge that undergirding it was, was a belief in the power of words, the belief in the power of listening, of the importance of listening? Well, this evening, what I want to help us consider is this question, who should you listen to? About the big things in life, about your life and trajectory, about decisions that matter and will make a difference. We listen to voices all the time, and they are good and right in their respective contexts, but who should we listen to about the big things in life? And what we're going to see this evening is an answer and a set of reasons that are life-changing if we would take them seriously. Compelling and matter more than anything else you will hear today. And so with that in mind, would you please come with me to John chapter 5, verses 19 to 29, as we focus first on verses 19 to 23. Point one, honor the Son of the Father. Verse 19 begins as follows, Jesus gave them this answer. Now what's going on here? Well, last week, Jordan took us through the first half of first section of this chapter in verses 1 to 18. And what we saw was that Jesus came to a pool in Jerusalem in 28 AD, a pool named Bethesda, you can still go to today. And at this pool was a man who had this disability, disabled for 38 years. Jesus came to him and asked, do you want to get well? And Jesus spoke to him and, and instantly the man was cured. He picked up his mat and he started walking. A miraculous event has happened here. And through a series of interactions, Jesus ends up angering the Jewish leaders. He calls God his own father. He says that he works with him and like him. And the leaders, well, they were threatened, they were jealous, they were outraged, and they want to get rid of Jesus because they knew that he was claiming to be equal with God. And so as we come to verse 19, the them who Jesus is answering are the Jewish leaders. And answering their contention that, that he is claiming to be equal with God, what does Jesus do? Well, he doubles down. In verses 19 to 23, Jesus doubles down, but not in the way we might expect. You see, Christians for centuries have claimed and confessed that, that the God of all creation, who spoke all things into existence, the God of Israel, came in the flesh, Jesus. And Jesus could have explicitly said, yeah, I am God, but he doesn't do that what we see is no less true, but dare I say, far more interesting. Far more interesting, and on one level, far more beautiful. Because Jesus explains his relationship as the son of the heavenly father in these verses. Let me walk us through it. Verse 19, the son can do nothing by himself. He only does what the father does. Whatever the father does, the son also does. 
Verse 21, the father raises the dead and gives life. The son also gives life to whom he is pleased to give it. There's a connection here, isn't there? The son cannot act independently, and yet the father and the son are so connected that what the father does, the son does. And yet the father has also given the son power to do things that he himself is not doing. Verse 22, the father judges no one. It's the son that has been entrusted with all judgment. There are things that the son does that the father doesn't. But the son does this because it has been given to him by the father. In verse 23, the father wants all to honor the son just as they honor the father. Whoever does not honor the son does not honor the father who sent him. What Jesus is explaining in his answer to the outraged Jewish leaders is a glimpse into the reality of God. The God of all creation, the God who is one, but who is one in a, in a beautiful way. For, as verse 20 shows us, at the heart of reality itself is a relationship of love between the Father and the Son. Take note of this incredible relationship. I mean, it's been there for all eternity, but almost 2,000 years ago, in 28 AD, Jesus was making this relationship known. For you see, he, Jesus, he is the Son who was sent on his Father's mission, a mission to bring light and life in a world of death and darkness, a mission that is being done by the work of the Father through the Son, revealing something about the inner life of God himself. This son is Jesus, and he has a special relationship with the God of the universe. He has the authority to speak and act and heal and claim things that only God could do because he is equal to God. He is the unique and only son of the father. And so when the disabled man was asked, do you want to get well? Of course Jesus could heal him. Of course Jesus can do this work of the father because he is God's son. Of course he is equal to God. Of course Jesus can claim things and do things that the Jewish leaders would have thought, no, you can't do that. Because Jesus has this special relationship that is known by no other and shared by none other and prior to all others. You know, there are many distinctives of Christianity when compared to to different religions in the world, uh, philosophies, traditions, ways of thinking. But these verses here, verses 19 to 23, are perhaps one of, if not the most distinctive aspects of Christianity, revealing that the heart of reality is not mere power, or nothingness, or randomness, or a cycle that that is endless. No, the heart of reality is a relationship, an eternal relationship between a father who loves his son, who is one with him, who share knowledge with each other, who reveal things to each other, who share things together. Okay, so what are we meant to do with that? Well, verse 23 is the key takeaway that Jesus wants, to, wants us to get from this sequence here. There are so many implications, but verse 23 shows us that to honor the Son, Jesus, is to honor the Father. 
To dishonor Jesus, then, is to dishonor the Father. To honor Jesus is to honor God. But to reject Jesus is to reject God. And for this reason, any worldview or philosophy or religion or tradition that doesn't honor Jesus as revealed in his mission, as testified through the Bible, must be false. Or at least, if I put it this way, not from the God of reality. But also, to honor Jesus is to turn your back on eternal love. To turn your back on perfect unity. To turn your back on truth. To turn away from from life itself in the truest sense of the term. Because what Jesus offers is life itself. Life forever. And that's what he goes on to tell us in verses 24 to 26. Point two, listen and have life. Let me read verses 24 and 25. Very truly, I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged, but has crossed over from death to life. Very truly, I tell you, a time is coming and has now come when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. Now, I've said already that the the truth is we listen to many voices And many of them are good and right and helpful in their respective contexts. But we were not designed to make any of these voices more important in our lives, more foundational in our lives than God's voice. We were designed to listen to God's voice above all others and build our lives on what he says. No other voices, not even our own voice, you're not meant to use them for that. And the Bible's diagnosis for this, Jesus' diagnosis for this, is that as a result of, of making other voices, our own voices, voices other than God's, more foundational in our lives, the diagnosis is that all of us are spiritually dead. Yes, alive and living in our physical bodies, walking, talking, breathing, listening, whatever it may be in our physical bodies, but spiritually dead, meaning dead in our relationship to God dead in our ability to to live as God would have us live, dead in our ability to love God and love others as only he can. And as a result, our world is the way it is, filled with suffering and death and disease, conflict and madness. This is the Bible's explanation of why we often make a mess of our own lives, because the truth is we are spiritually dead, trying to live our lives our own way, or at least according to whatever voices we have chosen to focus on, explicitly or implicitly. When the creator of the universe speaks life and truth and offers to guide us, we say no. But this is where Jesus' words come in. Because in verse 24, he calls on people to hear his word, Jesus, this man, hear his word and believe God who sent him which really is just a shorthand way of saying, believe that Jesus is who he says he is, that he is the son of the father, the one who has come by his father's will, that he is one and equal with God. Hear Jesus' words and believe who he is, and you will have eternal life. Regardless of where you are, where you've been, what you've done, or what you've seen. Listen and have life. 
you know, when Jesus speaks of eternal life, he's talking about life that gets to share in something of the, of the relationship between the Father and, and him, the Son. Not in a way that they have eternally, but still in a real way. Being loved by them. Marveling now and in eternity. And, and, and letting that love and life and guidance shape your life. Your path. You know, in verse 25, Jesus said this to those standing with him there 2,000 years ago, that the time had now come for this offer to be made, for those who heard his voice to live. And now, here in 2023, that offer is still here for us today. Now, this evening, I imagine that there are many kinds of people who might find this hard to, to accept. And I just want to focus on two kinds. There are more, but I just want to focus on two kinds, either for you here in the room, or maybe there are people here who know friends or family who fall into one of these two camps. Firstly, we can find Jesus' words here hard to accept because we don't agree with his diagnosis that we are spiritually dead. Uh, When Jesus offers and says, do you want to get well, our response might be, I didn't know I was sick. But can I suggest that when we go and see a doctor and they offer us medicine for something, even if I wasn't aware when I went in that I was sick, that it would be reasonable and rational to accept their treatment and to take their diagnosis seriously. When you go to the doctor, sometimes you go because you know what's wrong already. But you're not there because you already know how to fix yourself. You're there because you're listening to a trained expert. And sometimes when you go to the doctor, you don't know what's wrong with you. And if they say that there's something that you might need to look into, they could be wrong, but it would be irrational to just assume that they're wrong. It would be reasonable to accept that I am sick with whatever they say I am sick with. Even more than a potentially flawed doctor. Jesus as verse 26 says, is the one who has been granted to have life in himself. He knows life forever. He knows life. He has God's life in himself and offers life to those who will listen to his voice and believe the Father who sent him. He knows something about life and he knows something about defeating death. And so will you accept that he knows something about what he's talking about and accept his diagnosis? of our spiritual condition. That's one group. Secondly, there may be those here tonight, or you may know people, who've had a history of people telling them what Jesus supposedly said, calling you to listen to the voice of Jesus, but weren't actually representing Jesus' words correctly and have brought havoc rather than care, harm rather than nurture, and death rather than life. And if that's you, I want to say sorry. I'm really sorry that that's been the case. Because Jesus, his voice, what he wants to offer is life and light, not harm, not havoc. 
anyone who uses their position and influence to twist the truth and perpetuate evil, either directly towards you or others, whatever you may have witnessed, directly dishonors the Son and therefore is directly dishonoring God. You know, one of the things that regular members of our church will have witnessed over the past few weeks in John's Gospel as we've been going through is, is this in action, that, that, that Jesus, when he interacts with Nicodemus, the Samaritan woman, the royal official, the disabled man at the start of John chapter 5, his words are, are gentle and true and life-giving, confronting evil, not shying away from it, but gentle. His words are filled with truth and gentleness. This evening, the offer and the call that's being made is to listen to his words, rightly represented, not a misrepresentation. Tonight, will we resolve to listen to Jesus and have life, perhaps for the first time by acknowledging that we are dead and in need of life, and believing in the God who grants life through his beloved Son, or perhaps afresh, as we once again perk our ears up and say, yes, I should, I must, I want to listen to the voice of the Son, paying attention, inwardly digesting it, focusing your attention, choosing to take Jesus seriously and respectfully and act in response in every aspect of your life. For all of us, we can do this by delving into the Bible yourselves or or through our Sunday sermons or through brothers and sisters and their words of Jesus as they point you to him. We can do it through our weekly connect groups. We can do it as we dwell on the gospel of Jesus. Whatever it may look like, we are called to listen to the voice of the Son. The son who, two years after this, in 30 AD, rose from the dead. And right now has all authority in heaven and on earth. And who right now speaks and offers this same life that he gave in 28 AD to you. The risen Lord calls us to listen to him. Well, we've seen that we should listen to the son because to honor the son is to honor God. And listening brings life. But we have a final part of Jesus' answer that we're going to look at this evening. One that is a strong and important part. And so let's take a look at it. An important factor, verses 27 to 29. Point three, listen to the judge of all. You know, Jesus makes this stunning claim in verse 27 that he, a human, has been given authority by God there and then to judge on matters of life and death. We saw this a few verses earlier, didn't we? But here he reiterates it. And what he's saying is that Jesus, he, this human, has the authority of God to decide on matters of life and death and restoration. And and yet, verse 28, he tells the Jewish leaders not to marvel at this. Do not be amazed at this. Because a time is coming in the future when all who are in their graves will hear his voice, verse 29, and come out. Those who have done what is good will rise to live, and those who have done what is evil will rise to be condemned. Now, what's going on here? Well, verse 29, the way it's phrased is remarkably similar to a passage that we heard read for us before when Beck was reading from Daniel chapter 12. I just want to read verse 2 again here up on the screen. 
in hundreds of years before this event, multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake, some to everlasting life, others to shame and everlasting contempt. What we see here in Daniel chapter 12, verse 2, is this notion of a, of a, a raising, a, a resurrection, one of judgment. And in Jesus' day, the Jewish leaders had already turned this this understanding into a really core doctrine. Not everyone, so there were a few Jewish leaders who disagreed on the details and the matters, but, but especially the ones Jesus is talking to, they would have believed in a future resurrection when God would, would raise all at the end of the world and would judge accordingly. So here in John chapter 5, what's remarkable isn't the notion of a future resurrection and judgment. They, the Jewish leaders would have been on board with this already. Rather, what's striking is who's doing the judging. Because in verses 28 to 29, Jesus is saying that it's the Son's voice and authority that will enact this future resurrection and will do this future judgment. Because what Jesus is claiming is that he is the agent of God's final judgment. The Jewish leaders would have expected God to be the one who's behind this. Jesus is saying he is the one through whom God will do this. He will examine our lives and our deeds. And in the final judgment, he will make an examination and judgment of our final states. For those who do what is evil, ignoring God, choosing not to listen to the voice of the Son, living life their own way, there will be everlasting condemnation those who do what is good, listening to the voice of the Son and having a living relationship with Him. There will be the judgment of eternal life. Both will be eternal. The difference is not the eternality of it. The difference is that one will be an eternity of destruction outside relationship with God and the other will be an eternity of life and relationship, of love and bliss an eternity of, of shining like the stars in the sky with the brightness of the heavens in perfect relationship with the Father and the Son, marveling and enjoying and sharing something of that eternal love forever. A time is coming when all who are dead or alive will be resurrected, the resurrection of the dead, and judged Jesus is God's final judge in the future, which is why the Jewish leaders there and then in 28 AD should not have been amazed that Jesus could make a judgment of healing in the way that he did. They should not have been amazed that Jesus could claim to work in the same way as his father. They should not have been amazed that Jesus was equal with God because he had been given authority to judge. And that's why listening to his voice results in eternal life. Listen now, and the judge of all will rule that you can have life now and in the future. Almost 2,000 years later, this same truth applies to us. We should listen to Jesus, the risen judge of all, who will judge the living and the dead in the future. It hasn't happened yet. This day that is coming, this time that is coming has not come yet. For us, spiritual death now will also be met with an eternal death in the future if we do not listen to the Son now. If we will not accept the voice of the Son now 
and accept life and love eternal. If we will not honor the Son and therefore honor God by listening to the Son. And so I finish with this. Jesus says, do not be amazed by this. God loves his Son and has entrusted all judgment to him. God has spoken through his Son. The Son is speaking. Are you listening? Let's pray. listening to the Newtown Erskineville Anglican Church podcast. For more audio content and information about our church, please visit neac.com.au.